0: this morning, and happy Mother's Day to you mothers. Um, I was uh, looking at the world today as we were driving and thinking how beautiful it is and how great life is, and uh, there's so many opportunities in life. In fact, we were coming down the road and saw a sign for free manure, (laughs) and I thought, It just doesn't get any better. I mean, (laughs) there's so many great opportunities. Uh, So thinking about mothers today uh, makes us think about our family relationships and so forth. I'll adjust this just a bit. And uh, I don't know about you, but, but I find relationships sometimes difficult. How many of you have found relationships difficult? I mean, we've, we've all been there. Uh, one of my favorite, you know, they have these funny video shows, and one of my all-time favorite funny videos is a uh, little boy, and they're filming him at Christmas time going up and sitting in Santa's lap. And this is a really good Santa. He's got his own beard. He's authentic, you know, and they're filming him. And he gets up on the lap. He's maybe four, three or four. Uh, and Santa's like, well, oh, boy, what's your name? And what do you want for Christmas? And he's, the little boy's looking up at Santa. And he gets this look on his face that Santa's talking to him. He says, your breath stinks. One of my favorite. (laughs) (laughs) Love that one. And it shows us that things can go wrong, like this thing. Uh, uh, And one of the things, just like, I mean, bad breath. That doesn't help relationships. I don't know if you've noticed that. But uh, the key to relating, obviously, is... Uh, according to Scripture and according to even culture, is love. We all need love, don't we? Let me try this. And so the the great passage about love in the New Testament is 1 Corinthians 13, so we're going to look at that today. And we we think about mothers, we think about mother's love, the mother who... Was there nursing you when you were sick, and growing up, and taking care of you? And if you if you grew up as a in a Christian home, was praying for you? and I know my mother always prayed for me, and I appreciated that. But uh, let's think about today uh, the characteristics of love, First Corinthians thirteen, and talk about a little bit about how this makes. Um, relationships go smoothly and it's what we need so much is to have love. 1 Corinthians 13. Let me just start in verse uh, 1 so we kind of get the context here. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy, And understand all mysteries and all knowledge. And though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. So the love that uh, this passage is talking about is the God kind of love. Uh, Chapter 12 talks about spiritual gifts and how we all need each other. and We have different talents and gifts. And uh, (coughs) Paul says, those are great. And And we are a gift to one another in the body of Christ. But the greatest gift is love. Because he says here in verse 31 of chapter 12, But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. That is, love. So, he tells us that the greatest thing is love. If you speak in angelic tongues, if you sacrifice your own body, all of that doesn't profit unless... You have love. It's quite a statement. So, but then, and then he d- begins to describe love. So as Christians, we want to develop this greatest gift, which is love. We know that because God loves us, that we don't have to protect ourselves we don't have to worry about manipulating somebody else to love me. There's all kinds of ways to do that, isn't there? To be pitiful so somebody will feel sorry for me. Ever, anybody ever tried that? <laughs> you tried the pitiful ploy? Well, there's all kinds of ploys. But I don't have to do that because I'm, I'm loved. God loves me. How do I know? Well, he proved it by sending his only son to take my death that I deserved upon the cross, to take my sin upon himself, and in exchange to give me life and righteousness, eternal life. That's pretty good. This is what God offers me. This is what God shows me when he says, I love you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, anyone who believes in him will have eternal life, will not perish. So we know God loves us, and so that I can have that foundation in my life to say, you know what? The God, the Father, the most important person, the Alpha, the Omega, his Son, Jesus, he, lo- he loves me so that I can therefore love other people. And you know, it's amazing. Jesus says this to the disciples. Love one another as I have loved you. He gave them that commandment in the gospel. A new commandment I give you, he said. And of course, these disciples being Jewish, when he says the word commandment, they really listen. That's all, what, the, what the Jewish people are all about. The, the law from Moses. And they were given this great gift of the law and commandments. New commandment. A new commandment. How could you add to And it was simply this. Love one another. Love one another. And we know that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God. We have that in Deuteronomy 6 with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. And then the Old Testament says, love your neighbor as yourself. So it wasn't necessarily new, but it was spoken anew. Love each other. Love one another. Jesus told the disciples. These were the same disciples who had on the way to Jerusalem, being clueless. Anybody ever been clueless? (laughs) I stand before you as a clueless person right now. They had no idea Jesus' plan. He had told them right out. This is what's going to happen, guys. I'm going to go to Jerusalem. The Jews and the government are going to be against me. I'm going to die. And then I'm going to be raised again. Didn't sink in. He, He was going to fulfill his mission, which he told them. On the way to Jerusalem, they were arguing about who was going to be the greatest. Does that remind you of anyone? People? Who's going to be the greatest? I'm going to be the greatest. So they get there, and Jesus says, love one another. Can you imagine what they're thinking? I got to love this guy who thinks he's better than me. Because he's going to be the greatest. This is where the disciples were. <laughs> it reminds me of myself, people that I know. So he said, love one another. That was, that was what they needed to hear, obviously. So let's look at this. Relationships are difficult, but love is the key. And we want to cultivate that in our lives. If I'm already loved by God, and I know that for sure, I don't have to spend my energy protecting myself. You remember that song, What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. You weren't expecting the preacher to say that, were you? (laughs) But I mean, that's... Pilate said to Jesus, What is truth? What is love? We don't want to get hurt. Somebody who loves you Wouldn't want to hurt you, would they? You know, there's that out in the culture all the time. Everybody knows these things. And they're seeking for love. And here's the thing. If I don't have to seek for love, then I have the time and energy to give love. That's Christianity as we live our lives in a nutshell almost. And that's what Paul's saying here. He's giving this great priority to love. And so let's look at four characteristics of love, of Christian love. This is agape love. This is the kind of love that God has, that he loves as our Father to see us expressing to one another. Think about how sweet it is. Oh, there's another little video. It's so sweet. It's this little tiny girl. And she's got the basketball and she a little tiny basketball and she's trying to put it into this sort of low down plastic basketball hoop, you know. It's not the regular, but it's a little kitty one. And she can't quite reach it, you know. So here's her bigger brother. And she's uh, she tries to get the ball in and she's disappointed and she's kind of pouty. So he picks her up. Helps her put the ball in and rejoices with her and hugs her. Isn't that sweet? Your little brother, might, your big brother might not have done that to you. I don't know. But this little guy was really sweet. Now what does that make the parents feel like? Are their hearts just huge and glowing and just, just look at my son and he loves our daughter. That's how God is to us. That's what. He, that's why Jesus... Came all the way and to the earth to say, love one another, as I have loved you. John said, God is love. So this is kind of important, I think. And Paul is reiterating that by saying how important it is. So let's look at some of the characteristics. First of all, love is humble. Um, it says in verse 4, love suffers long and is kind, love does not envy, love does not parade itself, is not puffed up. So we have these descriptions that sort of describing ego and pride. Uh, I'm sure none of us have any problems with that, with any ego, pride kind of thing arising. Uh, but anyway, love suffers long. It's very patient. It's kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't parade itself. Is not puffed up. So love, love is humble. Now, sometimes, you know, we, we are going along in our spiritual journey and I know that sometimes I've done this. If I do something humble or I have a humble attitude, part of my mind will tell me, wow, you're being humble. That's good. Have You ever been there? Are we just crazy or something? It's just unbelievable. So the other part of my mind says, so now you're proud of being humble? What, what is, what's wrong with you? But Love is self-forgetful. It's not thinking about self. It's thinking about the object of love, of the love, right? That's the freedom of love. It's to get away from yourself. Think about that. To get away from yourself and being obsessed with self. That's a gift from God. And it's called humility. C.S. Lewis says, Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Write that down and think about it later. Humility is thinking of yourself less. What a freedom is that? And it comes with love. Replacing thinking of myself all the time, what I want, what I need. Am I important? Blah, blah, blah. Focusing on the other person. What do they want? What do they need? They're important to me. It's very simple. Mothers are a wonderful example of this. With their little children. Sacrificing themselves so that their little children can thrive. So, love is humble. It's patient. So, I ask myself am I easy to be around? Am I humble? Am I like more like sandpaper to be around or more like a nice cotton cloth? Am I like wearing a sweatshirt and hanging around on a Saturday to be around? Or am I like wearing a stiff shirt and a suit at a wedding? (laughs) Humility is somebody who's easy to be around, who accepts you like you are. It's sort of like the easiest people that I've ever met to be around. I don't know about you, but are puppy dogs. I don't know. They just accept you and wag their tail. and It reminds me of a scene I saw on one of these videos. I don't really watch that much. I just remember these. But it was an older dog just kind of laying around and chilling like dogs do, kind of with his, his uh, head on his paws, you know, and laying there on the porch. And a younger puppy that wants to play and was grabbing his ears and biting him and crawling all over him and irritating. And the older dog just lets him do it. It's just fine. He doesn't snap at him, didn't growl at him. He just was patient. I just love that picture. Long-suffering and kind. Doesn't envy? Because I'm not worried about myself. It's not easy to do this, is it? Because we're so, in our human nature, programmed to constantly be worried about my status, how am I doing, is anybody like me, etc., So, uh, are you easy to be with? You know, if you're not, try it. (laughs) You know, there was this famous philosopher, modern philosopher, and Balladier, who said this, if you want to make the world a better place, Look at yourself and make a change. Did you ever hear that? You got it. It was the famous philosopher Michael Jackson. (laughs) But I thought that was good. I heard that song the other day. If you want to make the world a better place, look at yourself and make a change. Be a little easier to go along with. Be a little more humble. A little more less full of yourself. What you want controlling. You see that? I think that's what we have here. Not puffed up, doesn't parade itself. It's humble. I always loved growing up to go to my grandma's house. My grandma was the most loving person I ever knew. And I basked in that love. It was great. And I would go to her house. She lived out in Beaumont, Texas. We would drive up this drive, a long drive, where they had uh, seashells, because there's so much, so many shells everywhere. They put, the, put them in their driveway down there next to the coast. Crunch up that thing. Grandma and Grandpa would come out and greet us, and so we'd go back in, and the, the garage door led into the Den and into the kitchen. And the first thing my brother and I would do was go in, into the little dining room and look over on this little cart, and on the bottom would be a giant bowl of banana pudding. The first thing we would do. But my grandma loved us. And I knew that. There was no doubt. So the question is, being around you, being around me, is it more like going to grandma's or is it more like going to the dentist? That's tough, going to the dentist. So, humility. Being somebody who actually loves others because I'm not so concerned with myself. Also, love is not only humble but non judgmental. We look at uh, verse 5. Does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, and thinks no evil. So, it's not rude. It's not always trying to get a leg up on everybody, not trying to make sure I'm all taken care of and my agenda is the most important. It's not provoked. Not offended. That's, that's our culture nowadays in a nutshell, isn't it? Being offended. I saw this little cartoon. <coughs> Remember the little family circle cartoon with the little kids? I don't know. Anyway, uh, one of them was the dad saying to one little kid, what's the magic word to get what you want? And, of course, the original cartoon would have been what? Please, right. But they, they modernized it. They modernized it. And instead, the little boy, they had it saying, I'm offended. That's the magic word to get what you want. You get that? I'm offended. Is not provoked. How dare you tread upon the robes of my glory? I'm offended. Love's not like that. It's not judgmental. It doesn't make for itself the person, I am judge of all based on my little wiring and my little ideas. Do you know people like that? They're not very humble, are they? So, Love is non judgmental. What we do, instead of letting vengeance be mine, saith the Lord, we become, in our ego and our pride, the judges of all things. I will decide if people come up to my standards, I will strike them with my anger if they do not or my cold shoulder, or whatever it might be. Anybody ever done this? Well, I have. Instead of what the Bible says, which is, judge not lest you be judged. You know who said that? Jesus. Who is the judge? Isn't that amazing? And he said, let me be the judge. And what I'm going to do as the judge is I'm going to come down to the world and and I'm going to tell you this. The Father didn't send me into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through me might be saved. Isn't that amazing? That's God. That's the kind of actual judge of all things that we have. It's one who loves us. Sacrificed his own son to pay the price, to fulfill all judgment that needed to be fulfilled. And yet we strut around like we're the judge, even as Christians. No wonder Jesus said, love one another as I've loved you. I am the judge. It's the way I carry things out as the judge is with love. So, We don't need to be provoked. We don't need to think everybody's evil because they do something against me. You know, we we often judge people and their motivations when we think that they're doing uh, something against us, right? Now, let me ask you this. Do you know about the golden rule? The golden rule is treat others as you want to be treated. So if you do something that you think is the right thing or you just happen to do, do you want somebody to judge your motivation for doing that when they don't know your motivation? How many of you would like to have that happen? Nobody. But we do that all the time, don't we? We get provoked and we think evil. We become the judge. When we're not the judge. We're just the regular folk. No wonder. We ought to be humble. We ought to be kind. We ought not to envy. Or parade ourselves. Or be puffed up. Or behave rudely because this person deserves it. You see the judgmental? I can treat them the way I want to. But what does God say? Be kind. Be patient. How many of you would like people to be patient with you? How many of you would like to not be judged by others? I mean, we have this great burden that we live our whole lives with. What are everybody going to think? To be free of that. Think about it. Think about it. To be free of that. That's what love is. God's love. What are they going to think? And not to think evil of them. You know, if you acted like that, you might actually be like salt and light in this world, right? If we acted like that. And didn't run around like we were the judge. So, instead of seeing ourselves as the judge, you know, in the courtroom, the bailiff says, all rise, and the judge comes sweeping in with his great robes. What if he came in in a track suit? It wouldn't quite have the same, you know, sweeping in in his robes, climbs up on this great, huge desk podium, takes his gavel, It's impressive. And that's what we do. Judging others, even our own family, even our own spouse that we love, their motivations and so forth. It's no wonder Jesus came to say, Love one another. It's easy to fall in to being the judge. You know, how many of you have a, a pet? If you have a dog, anybody? Lots of dogs? Anybody got a cat? Think about the difference between a dog and a cat. With a dog, do you ever get the sneaking suspicion that they're judging you? <laughs> you do with people, but with a cat, you always get that feeling, don't you? But we got to be more like dogs. Let the judgment go. Why? Why am I free to just let all the judgment go? Because God is the judge. I'm not. You see that? It's very simple. It's very biblical. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Judge not lest ye be judged. see, easy. Once we get it, I don't have to judge anything. There's another freedom that love gives me. Let him judge it. He will judge it. He's already judged it in his own son. It's pretty amazing. So love is not judgmental. It's humble. And then thirdly, love is good. It's just good. Like my grandma. Verse 6. Love does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Love does not rejoice in iniquity. So love is not a doormat. Love has a backbone. And you know what the backbone is? Doing what's right. Being good. Being consistently someone who will do what's right no matter what everybody else is doing. Who will be honest Who will have integrity, not rejoicing in the worldly ways of false manipulation, iniquity, and lies, rejoicing in the truth. You know, my, my grandma was like that. I knew she loved me, she would do anything for me, but she was good. If I was not, she would call me on it, as my grandma. And she would teach me to do the right thing, even at my own hurt. To rejoice in the truth, to be honest. So love is good. And of all things that we need today in our culture, it's good people, isn't it? People who will be that example of somebody who won't compromise, who won't be mealy-mouthed about all the evil and the lies that are happening, but that will stand up and say, you know what, this is right. This is good. I do not rejoice with evil. And I want to know what's true. And I want God to inform me of what's true. To be loyal. This is the strength of love. To stand up for what's true and what's good, what's wholesome. And to be that kind of person. It's like you become this foundational stack pole that other people can Can come and lean upon, you know? Because no matter what, they know, you know what? Aunt so and so, or Uncle Joe, or my mom, or my grandma, or my brother, they're going to do the right thing. Think what assurance that gives your children and your grandchildren that you're good. You're not perfect, but you try your best to be good. To know the truth. To live the truth. That's what we need. To be loyal. To be unselfish. So love is humble. It's not judgmental. It's good. It stands up for what's right or righteousness. And as the Bible says, we speak the truth in love. And then finally, love is faithful. Love is faithful to the end. Love never fails. But whether whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly. But then, face to face. What's he talking about? In this life, in this world, we're often confused. How many of you are often confused and in a fog of befuddlement. I am. That's why I want to know the truth. It's right here. Not what's on TV or anything else. Now we see, he says, in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Jesus comes back. We'll see him face to face. We'll know him. Now I know in part, but then I shall know, just as I also am known. You are known by Jesus, by God, fully. And we look forward to being in his presence and knowing him fully, face to face. We look forward to that. In the meantime, in the meantime, life is hard, isn't it? There's all sorts of things that are that are we could do without. Manure seems to be one of those things that, you know, it's a good and, but there's lots of things like that. But what do we do? Be faithful. Reflect God's love to other people. You have a great opportunity to do that. When do you have the opportunity? Is it in the past? Is it in the future? No, it's always just in the moment. (coughs) See if you can love somebody else like you'd like to be loved. How do we know how to love? Treat others as you'd like to be treated. It's simple. You know how you'd like to be treated? Right? Simple things. We can pass on to our children. Help them to develop. Put off the old man, the selfish brat person. Put on the new man, which is to reflect God in my life and love other people. And do it. Don't feel it, do it. And then the feelings will come along. As Paul said, he poured his love out in our hearts. And so we love you so love is humble it's non-judgmental it's good and it's faithful to the end i recently saw a uh, a tv show about a man who went missing and they never found him and later you know found his body out in the in the woods and so forth so, tragic story, you know, and the, and the wife was sad. He was an older gentleman. But they were interviewing her in her little kitchen. And there was a chair by the window that looked outside in that little kitchen. There was a dog. This man's dog. She said, gets up on that chair every day and looks out the window waiting for this man to come home. He's faithful. So, love never fails. Doesn't give up on people. Golden rule. Do you want people to give up on you? No. Don't give up on people. Hang in there with them. Love them. Not that you have to live their lives for them. But point them to the love of God by loving them as much as you can. And we can be faithful to do that. Would that help us in our family relationships? If instead of putting the accountability on the other person, I put it all on myself. Because nobody can take my heart and express love for me. That's my responsibility. I cannot force anybody else to love me because that's not even genuine love, is it? We don't want that. So we have an opportunity to love people, and it starts in the home and it swells out from there into the family of our faith and into our community. And to be humble, non-judgmental, to be good and faithful for people. And I want (coughs) to close with uh, Philippians 2. Our great example of love is, is Christ. Philippians 2 says, Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit... God's given His very person to us in the Spirit. If any affection and mercy fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest but also for the interests of others let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself Became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. And why did he do that? For you. For me. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven, of those on earth, and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord.